And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesday friend alex spears alex what's up what's up andrew good morning good morning so we've had uh players report to training camp training camp has started for the thunder, the thunder they're hooping are, they're hooping they're doing training camp at the the blue facility actually the old rock and roller rink al is that true it's true it's 100 percent true we played a show there Play a show there. (laughs) I know Uh, it's really strange. I've been uh, just a couple times, and it is really weird walking in there because I don't. If you if you remember the roller rink itself, it had like like that brick that brick wall that went around. Super safe, yeah. It the brick wall's still there. Like that's where the court is. Is where the brick wall is. That sounds dangerous. It's. I don't know if it's dangerous or not, <laughs> but but it's just strange. It's uh, it's it's kind of cool, kind of weird, uh, right over there by the uh, the dog food plant. So I'll be I'll be going over there here in just a little bit to talk to the guys after practice, uh, which you know should be should be fun. Good no, wait, why Mark. why are they practicing out there? I don't know. I actually need to oh, ask okay. that. I don't. I don't know. That's just where they've. That's where they've opened camp up. Is at the the Blue Ion facility. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're. Maybe they can bond better there. I don't know. Maybe they're doing some paycom upgrades to the peak. I guess it's not the peak anymore. Well, they would the do comp- it at their at their own practice facility, which is located over where? there by like. It's over there by you know where McBride Hospital is. Of course, yeah. I know all my local hospitals. Come on, it's <laughs> I don't. I have no. I've never heard you, you that don't. name before in my life. Wow. Okay, so it's it's over there off Broadway Extension in Britain. Okay. So it's just yeah. So they have I, the practice facility is very very nice, very very nice. But anyways, it's at the Strange. Blue facility. Uh, Al Media Day was Monday. It. Uh, it was a very fun day for me. I got to talk to the guys uh, in person for the first time. I'm meeting most of them in person for the first time, which was great. Uh, any takeaways that you had from Thunder Media Day specifically? Uh, first question: Did you so you didn't have to be there for the actual interviews? Were you in your? Were you secluded that entire time? Just a little peek behind the curtain, Al. When I got there, I got there early. Was trying to be prepared. I didn't know where my station was. They were like, down to dunk. And it's on there. Like, it's on this sheet. It's on this map of the arena. They're like, oh, you're station two. Cool. Wow. I don't know where that is. I assumed, so in the past, I've seen like radio stations get like tables that are just yeah. out in the hallway. 
uh, of the arena. And I thought, okay, that's probably going to be my situation, which will be great. Like, that's really great to just have the players come by. But they were like, no, no, no. Like, there was a guy that was like, oh, I know exactly where Down to Dunk is. Let me take you there. And so I'm. we have to wind through this back hallway. And it's funny because the back hallway was one of the places that I followed Steven Adams through a few years ago when I got him to do one of our intros. Um, yeah. But all the way back there, and they gave me my own private down-to-dunk room to interview players in, which is just absolutely a wild experience. Uh, and so, uh, you know, going in, uh, you, had, you had sent me the list of players that were going to be coming through, mm-hmm. which... I, I don't remember if you told me, but it, was that random or was or did you have some say like, oh, I'd, I'd really like to talk to Shay or whatever? I just, I said, I would like to talk to the best guys on the team and the guys that I think would be good for the show. And like, that's kind of the list. Because after listening to the interviews yesterday, mm-hmm. if there were one more guy to interview, wouldn't you say it would be Isaiah Roby? I mean, because <laughs> that I would say that was one of my biggest takeaways. Multiple players saying that Isaiah Roby was the most impressive in pickup. There's some Roby hype out there. That there's some exists. Roby hype. Yeah, uh, surprising, surprising Roby hype. And I think just based on what we're hearing about favors that he's like didn't practice with them yesterday. Right. Yeah. I would guess that Roby has a really good shot to start day one. That would be great. I mean, well, the favors thing, are you saying that's more because there was something about him getting treatment? Do you think that's more of, oh, favors has a little injury right now. We're, we're just trying to get him healthy for the season. Or do you think this is part of some broader plan of rest for favors? I I honestly don't don't know. I would, I would guess that it's probably injury-based, but yeah. it probably fits very nicely into the uh, – <laughs> Like this is, we would rather this happen anyways, you know. Right. Bucket. Because th- I feel like that would um, that would calm a lot of fears for some some Thunder fans on Twitter who sure. are frustrated with the idea that Favors might come in and start the season. And honestly, we've said that, but we've been saying that just based on like you know what the Thunder have done in the past, which yeah. really was last year. Where, where they seem to prioritize Horford's value, George Hill's value, at least during that first half of the season until George Hill got injured. And I think it made sense back then because I mm-hmm. think you could justify to yourself the potential return from a trade for Horford or Hill could yeah. be decent. So mm-hmm. this, this might be worth doing even at the expense of a couple wins. It does not feel the same this year. Like if no. they're able to move off of favors – we're not going to be having conversations in December like, ooh, I think we could get a late first for Derek Favors. <laughs> like, that is not happening. If we if we could get a second, I feel like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, Dude, like, maybe if he's good and Marvin Bagley, like, is horrible for the Kings, like, maybe the best you could get is, like, a distressed young player, you know, like that. Super distressed. Like, very distressed. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of... Uh, and I wouldn't even really expect that, honestly. I, it's a buyout would be possible with him as well, because honestly, like Which, honestly, like, who's out there clamoring like, "Gosh, the missing piece on our team is Derek Favors." You know, it's there's it probably yeah, right. is not a real scenario. Yeah, I, I could I could actually see a team more clamoring for someone like Muscala, 
who who could stretch the floor a little Dude, bit. Mike's going nowhere, man. Oh no, I know, I know. I'm just like I'm <laughs> he, saying that relative he to won't favors allow value. He won't allow. I, it. <laughs> I I just don't feel like favors has a ton of value right now, and I'm yeah. not convinced that even playing him is going to significantly boost that value. So if they make a decision, and who knows, we don't know anything, but if they yeah. make a decision to give him an, uh, a big rest plan mm-hmm. for this season, I would not be opposed to that. And it would actually make me feel even better about this season. Because then you look at it in light of the Kemba buyout, and you're like, okay, this team is committed now. Like This yeah. team is committed to its young guys. They're going to play whoever, like Roby at the five, Baisley at the five, whoever they can find mm-hmm. at the five. And just run those guys out there and see what happens. And that we know what it's going to happen. And I th- that would make me feel a lot better about going into the season. I already feel fine. Yeah. But that would, that would be like a cherry on top, Andrew. Well, what made me feel actually more confident about it was talking with Sam on Friday. Yeah. Uh, he made it very clear that this season is about figuring out who these young guys are. Like, that's... He said last but, season was was one thing, but this season they he I think that I think that the organization probably feels like they have enough young guys now to really figure that out. Yeah, although I do remember them saying something very similar. Maybe it was Coach Dagnall last year where they were saying like we want to get a good baseline for all the young guys on this team, yeah. see where they are. But the but the difference is. Like now they have multiple first round picks to do that with. There were so right. many guys that were just like, and, and like the team knows, and the coaches know, and everybody knows. Like ultimately, these are fringe NBA guys. <laughs> you know, I think they found something in Kenrich last season. Cool, and and perhaps they find some something in in another one of these guys too. But really, the ultimate goal is to like figure out if Trey Mann can play if Josh Giddy can be a guard in the NBA like what like what can we f- figure out about these guys I, I think is really the ultimate goal and even like Darius Baisley and Ty Jerome and guys like that like can they like what are they as NBA guys I think that that you know I, th- I think just having more of those type of guys on the team now this year with JRE Vic Krejci and you know I think that they're even Aaron Wiggins to a degree. A lot, a lot of guys talked about Aaron Wiggins too um, on Monday. So I, I think that they feel more confident in like the group of guys that they have just being guys that they will try more. And then also just the fact that they bought out Kemba Walker just like s- says everything. Yeah. I am I, still interested though because last year, it, looking back, and I was having a conversation on Twitter with uh, SportsFan 405 about this, Looking mm-hmm. back, it really does feel like they were trying to thread that needle of yeah. maximizing the trade value of Horford and Hill and mm-hmm. also positioning themselves for a good lottery pick. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if they lose that game to the Clippers, you kind of feel like, you know what? Success. Like you you got mm-hmm. something back for both Horford and Hill. You finished with the third worst record. Like you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. And I wonder if that bad luck in the lottery Mm-hmm. change their thinking at all it, like it like if they were in the same position last year with Kemba Walker and the same roster like they hadn't done the Horford and Hill experiment yet would they have mm-hmm. gone into the season with that same thinking like let's build Kemba's 
value. You know, let's see what we can get for favors. Let's see what we can get for Tortuga, <laughs> you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like so, so some of these veterans play them a little bit more. Because I, I do feel like there's a shift coming, but I just don't trust it yet. Because this is the same stuff we said before last season. Like, oh, we want to st- start Poku. Who cares? That's yeah. what we were saying last season. And that just wasn't the reality. Yeah. I guess with this team, my question would be like, who would be the guys who, who would, like, who, would, who is it? You know? Well, I, I still want to know what's going on with Deck. Like, I'm, he's one of the more interesting minutes guys. Like, game one, I want to see how many minutes is Deck playing. Because I just I still don't understand that. I want to know what's going on. Yeah, even so, like Deck's not helping you win basketball games. No, no, he's not. You know, Horford was like Horford helps not only as like a big that can stretch the floor, but as like an offensive facilitator. Like they had him at the nail, like contributing there as a facilitator a lot, and like helping these guys know where to be. Like that's not Favors' game at all. You know, even if Favors played, like I don't think Favors could help you a whole lot. I mean, ask, I mean, ask the Pelicans a couple of years ago. Like, how much did Derek Favors help you? Well, like, ask the Jazz, ask, who gave him a big deal trying to like recapture exactly. something from a ask few years them. ago. Something I still don't know what they're trying <laughs> they to would, recapture. That <laughs> they'd rather give up and then a they first give round up. pick, you know, and save money than have him on the team. Right. But, I mean, it says a lot. It says a lot. Usually, those guys. I mean, that's fine. Like, Derek Favors at this point is just a backup big in the NBA. And for how long? Probably not very long. There's pro- he probably doesn't have a whole lot of runway left for his career, which is fine. Like, he's had a nice he's had a nice career. He's been in the league for, what, 10, 11 years? Like, cool. Yeah, he's – it's funny thinking back to when he was originally picked. Because I remember that draft because that was the draft when, you know, it was involved with the Carmelo deal. Yeah. Right? And And – Derek Favors was like a big deal because he was he was coming in young. No, Darren Williams. Darren Williams. Oh, the Darren Williams trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the Nets, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe he is just on the way out. He he kind of gets lumped into like the Ed Davis uh, tier of guys who get a lot of good press or have gotten a lot of good press from like smart NBA guys over the years. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a few years for Derek Favors. But like back in the day, I feel like Derek Favors was always one of those guys that like John Hollinger would be talking about. As like, oh, what a, what a good big in the league, yeah. And so I still, ha- I think I still overvalue him in my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking at his last two stops, it, it doesn't really fit that narrative. No, and he's and so and so maybe the pressure to play him is not anywhere close to what pressure they might have felt last year with Horford and Hill. Yeah, I think that's accurate, and. Maybe Isaiah Roby, is it crazy to think that Isaiah Roby is like not that much worse than Derek Favors? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like completely different skill sets. Yeah. And and his skill set, Roby's skill set, probably fits in with what the Thunder are trying to do a lot better Way more. than Favors. Like, do you really want Favors clogging the paint when Shea's trying to like set the record for most drives this season or whatever. Like it, yeah. it doesn't really help him that much. It's not like he's some amazing pick and roll partner that you want to like try out with Shea, you know? Yeah. No. And Favors, you know, to his credit, was very transparent uh about, you know, being here. Like he's like, I'm glad to be here. This is great. If there's a you know there's a chance I get traded, it's a business. Like he's just saying all the stuff. <laughs> right. Where it's like he doesn't, I don't think he is 
coming here thinking like, okay, it's time to feed me in the post. You know, I don't, I don't think <laughs> right. he's under the impression that he's here to build up his value and get stats. You know, and you know, I th- this season is about really it's about seeing what Shea can do to improve, like Shea and Dort, like where are they at, and then it's about the improvement of Darius Baisley and seeing what Josh Giddy is and Poku. Like that's what this season's about, uh, totally. And I think that they're all all in on that. And this team is, I mean, they're so young, and I I realized like as I'm talking to these guys, like. Holy crap! I'm five years older than the oldest Thunder player. Yeah, five. Wow. Years. Like, like that is weird. That is super weird. All like part of it's just that I'm old now, but another. Part but of it's true that like, like this team is so young, like outrageously young. When we started following this team, 2009. That was my last year of college. So we were basically the same age as all of the young guys. Yeah, And so it felt like you were like growing up with these guys. And now mm-hmm. it does kind of have this weird, like almost like watching an OU game or something. Mm-hmm. Where like there's this disconnect. There's this clear generational disconnect between me and the players on the field. Dude. And you can, you can hear it in the interviews because they're all so incredibly nice. Like if this was with yeah. a veteran team and you're interviewing eight veterans, <laughs> like those interviews would have gone so much worse, I feel like. <laughs> well, that's what I, that's what I love about this this team right now and this opportunity that we have is that like we get to really get to know these guys and get a chance to, to, to be a part of their lives early on with this team when they don't have all these guards up and all these walls up. And like before they've been like hurt, like eventually some of these guys are going to be like hurt by the media significantly, you know, not necessarily us, but somebody will write something (laughs) about them that will hurt them. You know, by the L man, by the L man, it's gonna be all L man's fault, and like they're not they're not jaded yet, you know, and it's just a it's a unique kind of fun opportunity to to get to know these guys, and you know they sat down and I felt like they were like mostly pretty candid with me with with you know what they thought. I mean, some I think probably of all of them, I felt Basley held back the most. And I don't know if that's like if Cl- I'm sure Clutch does like media training and stuff like that. Where, and I think he genuinely was trying to answer. And there were a lot of times where it was kind of funny that he like couldn't think of something to say. Um, but like Darius, very he was very nice. Like he was very very good to me um, during the interview. You know, Josh was Josh was great. You know, during the interviews, all those guys were Kenrich. Kenrich is like besides Mike was like the oldest guy of the group. And, but because of, and some of it is like these like role player status where like these guys like genuinely feel like blessed and lucky to be in the NBA, you know? Well, and also have a a different conversation with them because of it. Right. And if you were a reporter, if, you know, if this was a Lakers podcast, like there's, I, I don't know if there's a podcast that's taking the time to interview Mike Muscala. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we because of our situation, like we we do want to invest in like some of these role players and some of these veterans. And we we do enjoy getting to know them a little bit more than maybe another team whose sole focus is on competing for a championship this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was, you know, the big takeaway from those interviews is just 
how much or how easy it is to like these guys and then to like this team more broadly. And, and those types of interviews I think are what the thunder need to lean into going forward. Because I think as more people, not just down to dunk listeners, but just general casual thunder fans learn more about these guys. I think they'll really like them. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe you don't have the star power of like those old thunder U teams with KD and Westbrook, but you definitely still have that same vibe of like the Thunder U mentality and these guys are all in it for each other and all of that. Oh yeah. I mean, Shay was even saying, like I was talking about the young guys and how he could lead the young guys. And he's like, well, I'm still one of the young guys. Like I'm a part of this. Like I'm not like he, he at least in that setting didn't differentiate himself from the group. You know, he really felt like he was a part of what is growing here. Which I think is cool, and I, that was one thing I was impressed with Josh Giddy about because he, and he said this on TikTok. He said it on in a lot of places that like OKC was the place he wanted to be, uh, and like part of it's his sister certainly. But I was like, well, like why? Like please tell me why? Like why? Why does this situation look good? Because I mean, if if I'm him, like the Warrior situation looks great, you know, like that looks like a honestly a really good situation. For, for any player to go into. Like, if Josh Giddy was on the Warriors, he would probably play this season, you know, and probably fit in really well with what they do there. And you're throwing throwing the ball. Like, you can – his passing is probably accentuated so much better in Golden State than it is here today because you're passing to potentially two of the best three-point shooters of all time, you know? Yeah. Um, but he was very excited about being a part of a rebuild. Like, he specifically said that which I thought was like, that should be exciting. Like he, I think he believes he can be a really good player in this league. And, you know, Kenrich even said it like, he's like, people are going to sleep on Josh Giddy. Like he may not show out a lot this season, but people are going to sleep on him. And like, he believes that he could be a really good player in this league too. So I think, you know, there was, there was some encouraging stuff that came out and, and obviously like media day is like the ultimate day of positivity right? Like nothing, no one, we haven't lost a game. We haven't hit any rough patches yet. Everybody's excited to come back. Everybody's excited to play for this team. Everybody's all together. They've been, you know, scrimmaging each other for like the last several weeks. You know, everyone's just pumped up about the year. So obviously we're not going to get a lot of negativity unless you're have a bad situation like the, the Timberwolves or, you know, Pelicans or whatever, you know, it's (laughs) otherwise it's going to be very positive. Um, yeah, I'm really glad we didn't hear about like some mystery surgery that Shay had during the summer that we can you just imagine? found out about. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> no. If, if like Sam on Friday was like, yeah, uh, Shay had surgery, or even even like this Karis LeVert thing, where it's like the messaging is like so wild to me. And I said this on the tampering show yesterday that the report says that Karis LeVert has a like a small fracture in his back. And there's optimism that he could be ready, you know, by the time the season starts. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, stop with the, I'm optimistic. There's a fracture in his back. Like, yeah. okay, that stuff is, that's scary stuff. And yeah, everybody, except for Favors, which is probably the guy that's like, okay, no, no problem here. Like, Favors is the only guy that's sitting out right now. And that's really the only guy that I think that most Thunder fans that understand where this is headed 
are like, yeah, he doesn't really belong here, you know? Right. The other um, theme that I felt like came up with multiple players, and this is probably coming from the team, is that it seemed like a lot of the guys felt ownership of the situation. Like they liked the idea of being on the ground floor of something. Because like you mentioned with Josh Giddy, you know, if he goes to Golden State, he's now in a group with, you know, probably Moses Moody, James Wiseman, some of their other young guys. But it's really Steph's team, and it's going to be Steph's team for the foreseeable future. He he's being put into an existing system. Whereas he has a big chance to shape the future of the Thunder in a way that he wouldn't really at, at somewhere else in the league. And and yeah. Shea brought that up as well. And going back to like it was either Dagnalt or Presti saying that essentially saying that like Shea is bought in on the plan. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they have discussed the plan with Shea and he yep. is all, all in on it. Yep. And they obviously don't go into details on that, but I'm assuming they've had these conversations. Like we're going to be prioritizing Definitely. youth right now. Like we see you as a cornerstone of this future. You are mm-hmm. building this. You are a key piece in that. And that's probably not for every guy in the league that would want to come in and have that responsibility mm-hmm. or or that ability to shape a franchise. But it seems like Shea it does really embrace that. Yeah. Shea embraces it without a doubt and seemed very excited. But I, I reiterated this on the Dream Team show yesterday, and I think it's an important point that, like, this is really not the time to be – checking on his how he feels about the rebuild you know like this is like a right yeah yeah yeah. like really next year and the year after and the progress that they've made will be the time to like really check in like okay like you just lost 60 games like how do you feel today you know like how like you you lost 60 games two years in a row okay now 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 how does this feel like, do you, is this something that you still want to be a part of? Like, right now, he he's coming off an injury. He hadn't played in forever. Like, he just wants to play ball. You know, he just signed a new deal. Like, everything is everything is great with him. You know, like, he got to do the Fashion Week thing. He's getting to do, like, all this cool stuff. Giant contract. Like, everything is great for Shea right now. You know, when he sees his peers, when he sees Trey Young going to the playoffs again and winning a round or two. Does he feel good then? Let's say the Grizzlies, you know, get to the playoffs again. Like, huh, like John Morant's been in the playoffs three times now, you know? And I, I guess part of maybe what's good for Shea is that he has tasted the playoffs before. And so yeah. maybe he, maybe that is something the Thunder have going in their favor. Because I think that you could look at like Towns or De'Aaron Fox or some of those guys, you know, Towns have been in the playoffs once. You know, De'Aaron Fox has never played a playoff game. And perhaps that will, the fact that he has been to the playoffs twice, that he has learned from great players already that know how to get there, perhaps that will be helpful to them in saying like, hey, listen, you've been on a team that's lost in round one. And we could build a team like that really fast. Like it would be actually pretty easy to do that with the amount of assets that we hold and the amount of young, like valuable players that we hold. Like it'd be quite easy to make, you know, three trades to bring in vets that will help us now. 
Like, we could do that. We feel like we could get a team that could get to 500. Or we could build it slowly, and it will take time, and it will be difficult, but you will have the chance to compete at a much higher level. Uh, and even Trey Young had to go through some of that in Atlanta. You know, the times that Shea was in the playoffs, Trey Young was sitting at home. So perhaps they do have that as an advantage that he's already tasted that a bit. Yeah. Were there any things that weren't recorded with, with like your interactions with the players or anyone else with the Thunder that were interesting? Obviously, Poku gave you a cookie off off camera. He did. He did. So the, it was, it's called a Jaffa cake. Uh-huh. And, uh, he was well, just carrying actually, them around? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was just carrying <laughs> them around. Um, so, anyways, I, what happened after, after the interview, he gets up, and you actually can see this on YouTube. I left it, I left the camera on. You can watch him doing this on YouTube. So if you want to go watch the Poku YouTube video it's this is all on there uh he bends down and picks up this like sleeve of cookies and this box and i'd never seen the box before and i'm like what is that (laughs) what do you have like what are you doing and he's like he told me they were serbian cookies one i posted on twitter that it was a serbian cookie i got jumped on by everybody like well actually twitter like hit me hit me hard Oh, cookie twitter cookie twitter came for you cookie twitter let me know that that is not a Serbian cookie. Well, I'm just saying, uh, Poku told me it was, okay? It is, uh, it, they are from England, and it's a Jaffa cake, and it is cake. Like, it's just like this little round cake uh, that is soft and like, mm. has like an orange flavor, and then half of it's dipped in chocolate. And they're really good. It was delicious. But it, but it was unclear why he was carrying around a sleeve of cookies on media day? I mean, everybody all the time is talking about how the boy needs to, to eat some stuff, you know? So <laughs> the boy is eating some stuff. I mean, that'd be like us just walking around with a sleeve of Chips Ahoy at like a work <laughs> event. <laughs> yes, it would. It's a little strange, right? I'll say Poku is a little strange. Like unsurprisingly, he's a little strange, and he's he is genuinely himself, which is just fun. Like he's just a funny guy, and he's a really really nice guy. Um, and he's becoming more articulate, which I think is really cool to see. Again, he's got a that's something that you have to work at too. At as young as he is, um, like you can tell he's just really trying. Like he really wants this to work here in the NBA, and so. I think like with his English, is it's gotten a ton better since when he first got here, um, and I, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do, and I and I loved his approach too because I was like asking him like, do you like give me one thing that you feel like you're first like certainly better at after the summer, and he's like, man, I I just need to go play. Okay, he's like, I play pickup. Like I need to go play against these guys so that I can try it and see you know, how much better I am. So he's not, he seems to be pretty grounded in that way that like, I, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I've got, I've got to go see it, which I thought was funny. Like both of the times you asked a player, I think it was Muscala and Kenrich about Poku. Mm -hmm. They're obviously not going to say anything negative, but Muscala brought up defense, 
which yeah. I thought was interesting. Yeah. And then Kenrich brought up his confidence like immediately, yeah. Yeah. which was interesting. Like I, I do think for those guys, he has to be like so unique compared to players that they've seen before. I mean, just like his stature yeah. alone, like just the way he looks and the way he plays in comparison to how he looks is yeah. so unique. It's very unique. And part of what I'm looking for with him, and I went back and watched a lot, is like his posture was just, it wasn't great. You know, the, just like his like general, like he was kind of hunched over a lot. You know what yeah. I mean? When he's playing out on the wing. And so I wonder if his just general strength will help that situation for him. Because I think if he's if he's more upright, I think he can shoot it a little bit better. I think he can defend a little bit better um, and really get a chance to use his size. Because when he was on the court last season, like if you were to say, like if you were to just like pause the game, look at just look at all the guys on the court and say like pick out the seven footers on the court. Like I don't think there's a chance that anyone would have chosen him as a guy who's seven feet tall, you know? Because yeah, he, ju- I, he just he just didn't play that way. He didn't look he didn't look it on the court to me when he was out there. Yeah, I mean he he was definitely. I mean we saw it last year. He had a very quick trigger, and yeah. that probably played into him slouching because he was just like getting ready to shoot, getting ready mm-hmm. into his shooting position. But yeah, if he could get more upright, I, I'm very interested to see what his shot looks like. And I was happy to hear from a couple different players who were able to identify like a we- a real weakness, a specific weakness. Dort was the one that really stood out. Yeah, where I thought you'd unpro- be excited about that one. Well, yeah, because you didn't say it, like you didn't yeah. bring it up. He no, brought it up, so that means that yeah. he knows. And like, obviously, why wouldn't he know? But for him to come out and say it, yeah, I've been working on my finishing. And I appreciated that you follow up. Like, how do you do that? Because I do think that's a hard thing to know how to do unless you're yeah. in a game at game speed. Because he was yeah. sa- he was talking about like trying out new moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that'll be really interesting, but at least he knows it. Because if, yeah. if that changes, I mean, if he just gets to league average in terms of his finishing, he's going to become an above average offensive player yeah. with everything else he has going for him. Yeah. Yeah, I was interested to hear if he was going to say that he needed coaches with him to do it. Because that's what you really need. It's like you need a coach there with like a like one of those big pads <laughs> right, yeah. to like meet you at the rim and like push at you. Like honestly, yeah. like that's what that's what he struggled with when he was met at the rim with anybody. He's really, he just really struggled. Like it was a really chal- it's a big challenge for him. And you know, Degnault talked about, you know, during the season last year about when he gathers the ball and how he should do that. Uh, because if he were able to increase his percentage at the rim, like it opens up quite a bit of things for him as a player. Uh, because the three ball fell enough last year like for you to be like pretty satisfied. Um, and it was just like he could get there. He could get to the rim. Like he has the strength and the burst of speed. Like he has all of that but he's got to be able to control everything once he gets there, which was yeah. his struggle. So yeah, that, that one, like we talked about it last week, like that's something that we'll be watching for us. Like what is, what are his percentages at the rim? Uh, which, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued to see where he's at. Uh, let's see. 
what else from media day for the thunder stuck out and then we can go league-wide for a little bit um after that um i don't think there was anything else that big i mean it was pretty they love they love coach they love coach degnall i'll tell you that yeah like there there was not there everybody in the big media session were asked about him you go and read some of the quotes (laughs) like they adore this guy and i and you know i too feel the same way like if you spend any time around him you're like man this is just a good guy like he you feel like he genuinely cares about you which i think is something that in the past maybe didn't matter quite as much with nba coaches but i think with this generation of player it really does matter to them like here's a a darius basley quote mark he's an amazing person i'm so grateful to be coached by him on and off the court he's helped me grow so much when it comes to basketball, whatever Coach Mark asked me to do, I'm gonna make sure that it gets done. You know, like that's uh, there's there's just a lot of admiration for him, uh, which I think is really cool for the for a young team, and I think it's especially important for a young team. I think that probably a lot of the players felt that way about Scotty Brooks too, was that they they felt like they could connect with him. Yeah, uh, for sure. And and I think that they found another guy that. At the very least, they can connect with. And then, you know, as this team grows and, you know, Coach Degnault grows as a coach too. Like, Coach, like coach Mark's very young, you know. He's a, he's, a, he's a very young coach. And so he's got a chance too. Not only does, like, Shea and Giddy and Poku have a chance to, like, really grow as players, but you know, Mark Degnault has a chance to grow as a coach over the next several years um, and to prove that he can coach a winner. And to prove that he can be the guy, like hope, like ideally, you don't have to go get your next Billy Donovan, you know. Once you feel like you've you've reached a point where you need a different kind of coach, uh, hopefully he's a guy that can carry it through. Like, like Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich wasn't always Greg Popovich, you know. He had to develop into the coach that he became for the Spurs and became kind of a coaching legend, obviously. Um, and I don't know if that's if Coach Degnall can do that or not, but um, he's at least like passed the first test of like, do the guys like you? Are they gonna do it? Do what you want? Do they respect you enough to carry things out? And I think that he's at least passed that from from what we can tell with this crew. Before we go league wide, so their first preseason game next Monday. Monday. Yep. Seven p.m. at the Paycom Center against the Charlotte Hornets. What a tickets as low as five dollars available, Andrew. It says here you you can get in. You, you can, can get, get in. in there. I'll be uh, there. What is your prediction for first starting lineup that we see mm-hmm. in the preseason? I think Shea Dort, Poku, Baisley, Roby. I think that would be mine as well. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would say. Uh, I'd love to see Josh Giddy in there as well. I I just think that Baisley's going to get the nod. I just feel like Baisley's going to get the nod at the four. Yeah, uh, and which that was one other thing that we haven't brought up yet. But Giddy did acknowledge like learning how to fit in with so many other ball handlers, mm-hmm. um, and and multiple guys who you could see as primary ball handlers with like Shea and Teo um, and Poku to some extent. Like he yeah. he he recognized that it will be a challenge. Like 
it is it is completely different from the way he played last year by all accounts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was really given the keys to that team and that offense. Well, he was the only player on that team that that was a point guard really. Yeah. Which which was great for him because he got to have the ball a lot and you know, this that's not the case with this team. So, yeah, I I still think he plays a ton. I still think we see a lot of Josh Giddy on the court and we'll see we'll see him mix in with these guys as well. Like he'll he'll play a lot with Shea. He'll play a lot with Poku. I think that will happen. Um but that's that's kind of what I'm predicting for now because I do think prioritizing Poku's development this season is a is a big deal too. Um you know, he works so hard in the off season. I just can't imagine they're only going to play him like 15 or 20 minutes a game. Like, I think they're going to start him and play him a lot. It would be fun. I wonder what kind of weird pick and roll combinations we're going to see. Because another thing that people talked about was how big Giddy is on the court. I think it was like, maybe it was Kenrich that said that. Um, Mm -hmm. But you could have some really fun pick and roll combos, whether it's like Shea and Giddy or Poku and literally anyone. Well, you could have any of them set the screen, you know. Yeah. Poku, if if Poku sets the screen, he receives the ball. Like he doesn't have to go up with it. Like he he's good enough to whip the balls at the corner. You right. Know? Yeah. And same for Giddy. Like Giddy could set the screen. Like Giddy's a very smart, smart player, and I believe that his screen setting will be something that they'll have to utilize too. Or, what if Shea sets the screen for Giddy? Like Giddy can can turn the corner, and get to the rim. Like he's right. he proved that last season for the Thirty Sixers. Uh, and then what do you like? And then a Shea pops out. Like, what do you do? So I do think that there's a lot of combos that are going to be interesting, and I hope they use it a lot. Even Dort, like Dort, can set a good screen. He's he showed that a lot last year. And if he pops out, you at least have to think about it. Obviously, you're not going to cover him like you would Shea, but you know, yeah, I think they have. I mean, this they have a real opportunity to get super weird with with what they do this season. And yeah, honestly, you should. You should absolutely get as weird as possible because, you know, you're going to lose a lot of games. And you should get creative and be creative with, you know, who's doing what because there's so much versatility throughout the roster. Yeah, I'm very excited to for the offense. I think the defense is where we're going to see the biggest drop-off. And specifically, like, points in the paint, I'm very interested to see. <laughs> where OKC ranks. If they're not 30th, I will be very impressed. They've got to be bottom 5 though. Yeah. Like they don't yeah. have a they don't have a they don't have one true center on the roster. Like who's who's the best rim protector on the team? <laughs> Is it Poku, honestly? Oh, that's what I was going <laughs> to be my choice which isn't really a a choice. That's not a choice. That's not a real choice to be made. No. Uh, Okay, let's take a quick break. Uh, Right after we come back, we will discuss some league-wide topics. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back from that quick break. Al, league-wide, what, what caught your attention? Is it is it the vaccines? Is it Zion's foot? What is it? Yeah, Zion's foot was, oh my gosh. If I was a Pelicans fan after that summer, bro, you finally feel, actually you don't feel like it's calming down because that article from NOLA.com came out like a week ago about David Griffin. So you're already feeling terrible, but you're like, you know what? If we can just get to the season, Zion's going to take a jump, BI's <laughs> going to take a jump. And then at media day, you find out Zion had his foot surgery. And maybe it's just because we're Thunder fans and foot surgeries are just like seared into our brains as like, this is never easy. Like if he really does come back and it's no big deal, like that is awesome. That would be awesome. But I am so scared that like there's some other shoe to drop. No pun intended. Um, So yeah, that believing that that he's going to be back day one of the season. Like I just can't imagine that he would be. That terrifies me just because it's such a huge season for this team. It's huge. Yeah. And you can you can talk yourself into the team. I've heard people do it, but as more of these things come out, it feels like it's just getting shakier and shakier. Yeah. And you wonder if this team's actually going to have like a season from hell instead. Yeah. Of yeah. this like run to the playoffs. Yeah, so that that terrified me. Of of the vaccine, of, or I guess of the unvaccinated guys, you know, I think Wiggins is the most interesting one. Yeah. Um, first, I, this may be naive of me, but I just kind of feel like the Kyrie thing is going to work itself out. Like, he is such good friends with KD, and I just have mm-hmm. to imagine everything that he went through to get to that point, to have his own team, meaning Kyrie, with his friend KD, and then to give it all up, like, I, I think as we get closer to the season, as they start playing games, as the reality sets in for Kyrie of yeah. what's happening, specifically for his friend KD, who desperately wants to win a ring that is not associated with the Warriors, yeah. I have a feeling that one's going to work itself out. Maybe I'm wrong, but the Wiggins one, though, I think is a huge deal because we've talked about the Warriors having deal. a lot more depth than last season. But if you take Wiggins out of that picture, like all of a sudden that that's not really an argument because Wiggins, whatever you think about him, he soaked up a lot of minutes last year for that team and was relatively good. If you take him out, now those guys like Igudala and Otto Porter all of a sudden have to be playing like a central role in half of your games yeah. in terms of like guarding anyone on the perimeter. You don't yeah. want to be asking Clay to like take the best player at this point. Like that was going to be Wiggins' job, and if he's not there for half the season, I just think that is a crushing blow. Even though he's not thought of as you know one of their best players. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know about the Kyrie thing. I tend to believe. I I hope it works itself out, just so that we don't have to talk about it so much. But yeah, <laughs> I uh, I don't know that it will. I don't know that it will work itself out. You know, you wish Kyrie was in a, it was not in New York City, honestly. Just, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with, with guys like... Why couldn't he be in Washington? You know, like, Beal's going to have to deal with some of it, but, like, not really. Like, Beal will be fine. 
Like they can right. supply. It, it'll be very limited, like some away games that they'll miss. Um, but yeah, like if you're the Warriors or if you're Joe Sy for the Brooklyn Nets, spend all that money on that team, bring in all these players. By by the reporting last year, you essentially hand the franchise over to them. Let them yeah. do whatever they want because yeah. you expect that there's going to be a championship at the end of that. And then for something like this to throw it off course, that's why I feel like the stakes are just too high. Kyrie is going to change his tune in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I just... Like that, I could see that being like a friendship ender for KD if he invested all of this with Kyrie as his like running mate this whole time, and then just mm-hmm. gets ditched Kyrie, ditched by Kyrie for this. So Kyrie for Kyrie for Ben Simmons, who says no? Well, that I mean, probably Kyrie. He'll just retire, <laughs> even though that would be an awesome setup for him. Playing with Joel Embiid. How incredible would that be? Like, and then you talk about like the AI comps that would exist there between he and you know Iverson. Yeah, and on the flip side, like Ben Simmons getting to play with shooters everywhere. Kevin Durant and yeah, (laughs) James Harden and I mean that's the ideal situation. Yeah, yeah, it's ideal. Yeah, that'd be a great fit. That's why I like sort of believe those rumors that Brooklyn was considering trading Kyrie. I mean, they yeah. really do have to start thinking like that if he's committing to sitting out half the season. And it's not just sitting out the games. Like, you can't practice. You can't be at the Barclays Center. Yeah. Like, they, so they same, might... Same with, same with Wiggins. Like, they, they're gonna, if Wiggins doesn't get it and these mandates stay in place throughout the season, they're going to have to consider trading him. They have to. Like, at least Brooklyn can say... It, it would be crazy if they did this, but they could say, you know what, we can find a gym in New Jersey... We can go practice in New Jersey so that Kyrie they can could. be there. Or our team is so stacked. Like Who cares? We almost made it to the finals without these guys <laughs> right. anyways. Right. Like we can beat the Bulls on a random Tuesday night without Kyrie. Yeah. And they can because they have Kevin Durant and James Harden. So it doesn't really matter. Honestly, right. like that's that's the thing about the Nets deal that – like hopefully, I mean, maybe by the time the playoffs roll around, we're in a we're in a our world is in a different place, and these mandates are gone, and it doesn't matter anyways. But if Kyrie like puts his foot down, he's not going to do it. Like honestly, like how much will him being gone impact their win loss if they remain healthy? In the regular season, it probably wouldn't. Like the the only downside of this is that if you get to the playoffs and we're still in a situation yeah. where he can't be in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. that that's the only time that it like really blows up, and you know there's other things about this that are frustrating because like the the San Francisco mandate only applies to Andrew Wiggins. Kyrie will yeah. get to play <laughs> against the Warriors. Brad Beal yeah. will get to play against the Warriors. Like, and there's been inconsistencies like this going back a year and a half to the beginning of the pandemic, Without where it's just doubt. like. Yeah. We say we want to follow the science and we believe the experts, and then we come up with these stupid rules that don't make that everyone agrees don't make any sense. Makes There's no consistency no sense. to it. No sense and it's, at all. Yeah. It's really frustrating, and I'm sure it's frustrating for some of those players. I do think like they're at ninety percent. Mm-hmm. There, there's still a few weeks before the start of the season. I think that as players have now come back, now you're in training camp. Preseason games are going to start. Regular games are going to start. I think the reality is going to set in for some of these guys about how 
they're influencing the the outcome of their team's season. And so I expect yeah. that that's going to go up. And I would not be surprised if by, you know, the middle of November, we're talking about like a handful of guys. Because this same thing happened in the NFL where they had their media days and this was the big story for one day. People were like, oh, Cole Beasley or Lamar Jackson. And now we're three weeks into the season and no one's talking about it. Because there haven't yeah. been any issues. And maybe there will be an outbreak on a team. And the difference between the NBA and the NFL is that Roger Goodell came out and basically said, like, if you have an outbreak due to an unvaccinated player, you are going to forfeit your games. And that really spurred a lot of guys to both get the vaccine and also convince some teams to maybe cut guys at the end of the roster based on their vaccination status. The NBA hasn't gone to that length. I mean, if they really wanted to boost these numbers, they could, but they won't do that. Um, Adam Silver won't do that, yeah. They won't, which is so funny because, like, politically – People talk about how the NBA is like more of the progressive league and the NFL is a more conservative league. And the NFL has a way more hardline approach when it comes to the pandemic. And it's because like it's all business related. It's a business. But, it's all, yeah, dollars, man. Yeah. Right. And, and the NBA has been more wishy washy with some of it, you know, allowing. The NBA is just that they cater to the players, they cater to the stars. Right. right. You know, and if it wasn't Kyrie Irving, if it wasn't guys that had such a high profile that are part of the players' union and all that stuff, like if it was just like Bruce Brown, like, be like sorry, Bruce Brown, <laughs> you got to get it, dude. You know, yeah. I don't think I don't think that we're having this conversation, you know, but it, because of who because of who it is, I think the conversation is a lot more difficult. And, and the flip side of all this is with the media coverage, because I do think the media coverage drives a lot of how we're feeling about this issue. Like, personally, yeah. I think that what LeBron said yesterday is way more important than anything any other player in this league could have said. Yeah. But it, it doesn't, even though it's LeBron, it doesn't seem like it gets that recognition. Like, I, when it comes to ambassadors of the NBA, I really think that, like, LeBron and Steph are the ones that actually yeah. matter. And then on a, on a second tier, I put like KD and Giannis. But beyond that, like Brad Beal, Jonathan Isaac, Andrew Wiggins, like maybe you could say Kyrie, he was still top 10 in jersey sales. But those guys at the top, like LeBron and Steph specifically, that's where the story is. And if those guys it come is. out and say what they said yesterday, like I, I, I don't know. I just think it, this is being blown a little bit out of proportion because I, I do have confidence that as we get closer to the season, as we start the season – that rate's going to go even higher, and yeah. there's not going to be this big story during the season. I don't think it's going to be an ongoing story in the way it hasn't yeah. been for the NFL. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. Because I don't like talking about it, if I'm just being honest. This is oh, it sucks. It sucks. It's been a year about. and a half. Like I'm so exhausted of having all these conversations. Oh. I just want to talk about basketball. Oh, let's just talk about basketball, bro. That's, that's <sighs> what I want too, man. But we're we're getting closer, and thankfully, our the team that we cover, there's no issues with that. Which, you know, that's that's a big deal. Because if oh, we were co- having to t- if we were having to talk about like Isaiah Roby not getting the shot, like I I don't well, know, man. I would imagine I would if it take a, a long break to be honest. Imagine if it was Shea, because I do think it it's hard. Like as a fan base, you want to defend your guy. Yeah, and if yeah. you know that like Shea's not going to be able to play a bunch of games, like. That really would be a big issue. So yeah, it's it's just nice that our team and there's a few other teams I know like the Rockets and the Knicks and the Pistons are 100% where they don't really have to think about it going yeah. forward. Yeah, 
yeah no that is that is nice uh okay anything else before we go any other media day things there were, there was actually a lot that happened on monday um Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. I I've st- I I have not tired of the uh, <laughs> the Ben Simmons stories, even though it's every day. I feel like there's a little nugget each day that just like, ooh, that's that's something new. I feel like you're getting yeah. to hear every single thought from both sides through this yeah. entire thing. Yeah, I loved the. If you haven't read it, go to theathletic.com/slash/down-to-dunk. You can get the uh, the athletic for fifty percent off through that link. Uh, but what Sam Amick wrote yesterday was just that like Ben Simmons camp is like everything that Daryl Morey said is BS. <laughs> I never want to play with Joel Embiid ever again. He's right. bad for my it's bad for my career to play with him. It's not the way that I should be playing, and I need a different team. You know, and, the, and, and there it's, it's I just love I love it too. There's obviously criticisms to be made of Ben Simmons, but it is fun to watch Daryl Morey or just anyone in position of power who's been trying to spin something, just get it thrown but back specifically at them Darryl over Morey. and over. Yeah, specifically <laughs> yeah. Daryl Morey. Get, you know, trying to spin and just have it coming back at them every single time. Like Simmons' yeah. team is responding to every little like positive glimmer of hope a Sixers fan could have about Ben Simmons yeah. coming back. Yeah. Every time there's something, Simmons's camp is right there to say, nope, not true, not interested, see you later. Yeah. Which yeah. is very funny. Yeah. yeah, Rich Paul is not playing with this. And I'm glad we we're not to... having to deal with it. I'm glad it is not on the Thunder. That would be miserable. I don't I don't feel... Uh, be... or I feel bad for Sixers fans. I feel bad for specifically Sixers podcasters. Who oh have yeah! To hop on like this. Rice Ricky Sanchez guys are hopping on like three days a week with the same stuff. Every it's like Groundhog Day of podcasting. And we would we would too if there was a new long report coming out about our team every single day from like a well reputed source. How could you not? We would do it. It would be exhausting, but we would do it. It would be. Yeah. Are we just completely like outrageously underrating Ben Simmons at this point? Um, I I think that or is the pro- league? 
No, I think the league just sees an opportunity to get a really good player at a really big discount. Yeah. And it's it's going to be the team that decides, fine, they'll add the extra thing, whatever yeah. it is, where it's a player or like a blue chip asset. I, mm-hmm. I do think there are teams that do value Ben Simmons correctly. But until they know that there's legitimate competition, there's really no reason to go all in. Yeah. Like even if another team comes back with a competitive offer, it's not like Daryl Morey's going to take it right off the bat. Like he's still going to go no. revisit all these other teams. Are you willing to increase your offer? So the other teams just can sit back and wait. I feel like he he's not going to rush into a Ben Simmons deal. Mm-hmm. No, and he shouldn't. Like it's not it's not going to help him to just take Malik Beasley today. You know? Right. Yeah, I, I'm. I think this goes at least until the middle of December when all the vets can be traded. I don't disagree, and I think it's probably. I think it's that's the right thing for the Sixers. Like at this point, you can't increase Ben Simmons' trade value, and you and I have talked about this. But what what can increase is the panic button for the other teams. Like yeah, oh crap! Like we are seriously in danger of missing the playoffs again. Um, and. Now we we've got to do something. Okay, we'll put Halliburton in the trade, or we'll you know I don't know what. Honestly, if I were the Sixers, I would not accept any trade from the the Timberwolves. I just don't like anything they have to offer unless it was like all the good players, but like I guess all the good players, but Cat and Edwards, and like you'd have to give me a lot of picks, yeah, for it to make sense. I'd be sure. Otherwise, like I don't, I don't think you're getting that much better. So, anyways, all right, that's all. First game next uh, Monday. Monday, we we'll get to talk about real ball next Wednesday. That'll be fun. Get to, real uh, ball. Overreact. We'll get to overreact to some stuff. To overreact to rotations. Overreact to somebody hitting a bunch of shots or somebody missing a ton of shots. Like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. Always, we always overreact to what happens on that first uh, first game. All right, let's go to the stream real quick before we go. Uh, Alex Gatch is here. Zodic Bars Gaming is here. Buster Nakamoto is here. The Fluky, Mike McGee, Pedro Menezes, uh, Dylan Walker, Jake McKinnon is here. I ain't gonna lie, so tell me why he's here. Uh, Jake Hendricks, Josh Harris, Dude Buffet is here. Miguel Devella is here. Uh, Michael Clampett. Happy Wednesday from Northern Japan. What's up, dude? Uh, Soso is here. Brushy. Hoopstock69 is here as always. Uh, Daniel Tomasi is here. Uh, Simon Shin. Big Fuzzy OKC. Ryan Fawcett is here. Uh, did you, did you see see Ryan's message to you about your pop filter? Yes, I do have two pop filters. Because this yeah. one it basically is a pop filter. I have another pop filter. Double pop. Double pop. There ain't no pop. I'm a big For popper. <laughs> Zach Tarones is here. Uh, Felipe Camagos is here. Uh, Lefty Sports Cards. Uh, my guy Alex Bullerjack is here. Greg Ray is here. Yanni, Evan Christian. Lots of people joining us on the stream today. This is great. Um, got Kenny joining us. Bangela, what's up? Uh, 
I uh, hope you guys have a great, great Wednesday. James Anderson is here. Enjoy the rest of your week. D.O.B. Uh, or T.O.B. I don't know. Uh, Matt Watts. Uh, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we will talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.